every American citizen must have an equal right to vote. The administration of elections is primarily a state and local responsibility. Whether you voted for the very first time or waited in line for a very long time, by the way, we have to fix that. Welcome to High Turnout Wide Margins. This is Brianna Lennon. I'm the county clerk in Boone County, and with me is my co-host. Eric Fay, Director of Elections in St. Louis County. And for today's episode, we're really excited to have Joseph Kirk join us. He's going to talk to us about his experience in Georgia in 2020 and all of the auditing procedures that they went through to make sure that voters had confidence in both the November election and the runoff election. So what's your current role and how long have you been doing it? Um, I'm the election supervisor for Marksville County. So that means, well, to back up in Georgia, there is in law an election superintendent as well as chief registrar. I serve a combined board that holds both duties. I'm a five-member board. I'm the secretary of that board as well as their administrative designee to take care of the day-to-day office matters um, and run the department to be the department for the county. And I ended up going to the state of Mississippi and putting in their voting system forms um, under um, the Secretary of State out there. Spent two years in Jackson and then moved back to uh, Barton County to Cartersville to be close to my family. And I've been here ever since, and that was in 2007. And I just fell in love with the community, fell in love with the work that I do here, and just really enjoy it. And watching the election disinformation and trying to come up with ways to instill more voter confidence after the election, as all this stuff is happening. One of the things that came up, and this was from people that had been working in elections for years. Why don't why don't we just suck it up and do the full hand recount? And, you know, not because we needed to in Missouri, but like maybe that is really what solves this problem. And I know that in the news and all of that, you you elected to go that route with the runoff election. What did you take into consideration when you did that and what did it involve? Do you think that you're gonna do that moving forward as well? I haven't made that decision yet. Um, and I'll bring my board in to, to help with that decision. My interest in audit started actually when I was in Mississippi. One of the things that I was tasked with was looking at an election and auditing it uh, using a voter verified paper audit trail and including everything in that process to make sure that we audited every aspect of the election. I never finished that, that project in Mississippi. I've been sort of had it in the back of my head ever since, but it's very difficult to audit an election with DREs that have no paper trail at all, which is what I had up until this new system. Um, so I knew going into having belt marking devices that I wanted to audit every single election in some way, shape or form. And I actually was the, the first county in Georgia that piloted the, the auditing process in 2019. We did um, a ballot polling audit as well as a batch count the same day in a very small municipal election as sort of a proof of concept. And it went well. But the problem that I see with RLA is, is they're hard to explain to people. It's hard to explain. We're not looking at every single ballot, but we still have confidence that your individual ballot was counted properly. So when the Secretary of State chose to do a full hand audit, not recount, but audit of the um, general election in November, the presidential race, I, along with all my colleagues, were a little horrified at first at the task in front of us. 
once we actually started doing it, preparing for it, it wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be. And that was putting it together with less than a week to plan, um, trying to find a location and, and sort of make it the rules as we went. With time to prepare for January, I chose to do the full hand count. One, because we knew how to do it. I had staff members that already experienced doing it, um, and I knew it would go very well. And two, with all the misinformation out there, I thought it might help people understand that the results you know, were accurate, the machines didn't count votes properly, and I just hoped that it would help not just Bartow County, but the entire state feel more confident in the voting system, because I have no reason to think that it didn't count anything properly. And based on all of our auditing, it counted very, um, very well. So what we saw in January was that with that planning, with experienced staff, we audited 43,000 ballots in a single day. It wasn't that hard to do. It, it didn't, there wasn't a lot, there weren't a lot of people there who were antagonistic observing us that time, but it's nothing to shy away from. And I encourage my colleagues to, to try it. Um, it's not that bad. Uh, using the the materials, the voting, voting works put together, the training materials, it's really, really easy. And it's easy to explain to the public. In this case, when you say audited, this was the, what, the presidential race? And it was just a, a recount or was it something a little bit different? Well, in, and I'm not sure how this is nationally, but in Georgia, the word recount has some legal implications. A recount can actually change the results of the election. And in Georgia, we do that electronically by rescanning all the ballots. Um, what we did in November was an audit as well as after January. In um, November, we went to the presidential race. In January, one of the Senate races, we chose that before we coin. There were two on the ballot. They were both really close. So what we did was we looked at everything as batches. And the batch was the counting group. How small we get the, the results for a set of ballots. So for in-person voting, that was the results printed by a single scanner. If the location had two different scanners, we could do two different batches, but if it just had one, we had to do a single batch. For advanced voting, those batches may have had 14,000 ballots in them, just because of how long advanced voting goes in Georgia, it's a three-week process. Um, but then for absentee ballots, we could actually go back and see the, each time we scan a batch on the, the central scanner, so that's between about 50 ballots at a time, we could see the results for that single batch. So we went through one box, one batch at a time, sorted the ballots into stacks based on who, who the votes were for, either um, for candidate A, B, undervote, overvote, or something they couldn't determine, and then went through and counted them in stacks of 10, and used the stacks of 10 to get them to come up with the, the, the full totals for that batch. Then at the end of the process, not during the audit, after the audit, we compared what the auditors found to what the machines reported, knowing there'd be some errors there. People are always going to make mistakes when they hand count anything, especially you know, 40,000 pieces of paper. But results were close enough that we were confident the machines counted the votes properly. And I guess it's worth noting that if anyone wants to go to my website, smartselections.org, a report of that audit as well as the training presentation is on there. I was curious the process we used. So what kind of response did you get from voters? You know, it's still very contentious. And I know Georgia has, has a lot of contentiousness. And we, frankly, at this point, we really don't experience that. So did you find that it had a, a positive impact on the ways in your county in particular people were thinking about elections? 
I'm not sure if it did or not. I didn't get a lot of public feedback about it. I think the folks who are really curious about it may not have been in Barton County. We have worked for years as an office to establish public trust to, you know, make sure they understand what's going on, know they can come watch if they want to. For the most part, people around here trust the results of our local election or our local results because they trust this office. But if I have one person call me saying, well, it's not you that I'm worried about. I want to talk about this county over here or this other process going on over here. I'm going to scream because I can't do anything about that. Um, and trying to explain to them that, no, we don't work for the Secretary of State's office. We don't work for the same person. It's hard. But having this as a tool that I can go back and say, well, after January, it didn't help so much. After November, I think it did because there was this effort by um, a, a few people on the Republican side to validate how each ballot was counted to tell their voters, call the office, have them tell you how your ballot you know, was counted, who you voted for, which of course is impossible. We have a secret ballot, you can't do that. What I could say is, I know your ballot was counted properly because I checked every single one of them, one ballot at a time, yours was in there, so it was counted properly. And that just kind of took the steam out of their sails. So they, they just didn't know how to respond to that. And if it didn't convince them, it got them to leave me alone. So, and there's gonna be said for that, I guess. But moving forward, I'm hoping that continuing to do audits, continuing to push transparency and push for folks to come observe us will have more trust and more understanding of the process. What I keep talking about um, in my local community to other officials in the state is what would last year have looked like if people understood how elections worked, people had confidence in the results and what the office was saying and turned to trust source information rather than social media, what would that year have looked like? And I think we've been a very, very different year. And I think we should be working towards that right now when these audits are the first step in that. I know in Georgia, the Secretary of State plays a little more of a role than in some states, Missouri included. What, if any, reaction response did you get from the Secretary of State's office when you did this? I never got an official response from them. Personally, I think they didn't want to get too involved with it because they wanted me to be able to do this independently. And while the Secretary of State gets more involved in Georgia, maybe than other states, I don't work for the Secretary of State. I work for my board. So the Secretary of State has the ability to push rules and promulgate rules to the state election board and um, through his office in certain cases. But the counties retain a lot of authority in Georgia. And we did this all in our own authority. And I think they're glad I did it. But there was never an official communication about you know, if they were for it, against it, or anything like that. So I I find what you did really intriguing and commendable. It would seem to me to be a big lift to try to maybe expand this out statewide or across state lines. Or, but have you made any effort to to try to get more of your uh, Georgia colleagues to to take this on in the future? Not too much yet. There is a fear here, um, and I've sort of compared it to the fear of provisional ballots that we saw when those were first pushed out statewide, where folks saw it as extra work, extra paperwork. They didn't want to do this, and they do it they could to avoid issuing those provisional ballots. Once we got the training better, once we understood the process more, they became a safety net. It was a great thing, and, and now we're glad we have them. This is the same sort of thing. It's going to be hard to get them to understand the work you do ahead of time that makes it easy on the back end. 
doesn't get hard hard to get them to do it voluntarily anytime in your future. I think a lot of them, a lot of my colleagues. But once they start doing it and see the value of it, I think it's going to be a great thing, and we're going to just become the normal course of business. Maybe every single election, all the major elections. But the thing I've learned, the thing I'm pushing out to them, is it starts when you first start issuing ballots and receiving them back in. If you start managing your records from that point and know where all your ballots are, how many are in each box, what your chain of custody is, it took us, I think, four hours to prepare for this audit after the election with two people helping me. If you don't do that work ahead of time, you're trying to piece together records after the fact, you've already lost. So you have to start ahead of time. And if you, if you do, it's really, really easy. It just is. It's a lot of work, but it's not hard work. Does Georgia, do you work with other counties very often? Like, did they come and watch this as a pilot? Have you worked with them at all because they've been interested as well? So we have an organization called Gavrio. Um, it's new. We just combined our, our registrar's association, our election association. I think it's Georgia Voter Registrar's and Election Officials Association now. But either way, we do have an association. We um, have regional coordinators. I'm one of them that, that coordinate with about a dozen counties apiece to conduct, you know, like quarterly meetings or so just to have best practices and stay in touch with each other, try to support each other, push information out from the state. Um, they did come watch my original pilot in 2019. Of course, they've all done it themselves now. No one came to observe my last audit. But I'm planning on using that organization to try to help push this. But the other thing we have to start looking at as a state, um, if you saw, we had a few counties who had some mistakes with the number of ballots they reported originally. And they, I hesitate to say found ballots during the audit, but discovered that some ballots not been reported during the audit. They were always there. They're always in their you know, chain of custody. They always weren't secure. But they weren't originally reported. And that's not an audit problem. That's a canvassing problem. And um, I think our next step as a state is to tighten up our canvassing procedures, moving towards that audit, if that makes any sense. And I'm hoping to work with the association this year to start pushing that information out and really get some um, uniformity between all 59 of our counties. Uh, one thing I asked the folks we interviewed from Michigan and Pennsylvania that I'd like to ask you, of course, Georgia was at the forefront of a lot of controversy. What was it like running elections in Georgia in 2020? Not only was it really controversial, you guys had a bunch of elections. So you, it was just constant and you were on the front lines the whole time. As far as the constant nature of the elections go, that was different. You know, we're used to presidential election years. And I've done this before, um, but this this year was just fundamentally different. Besides being constantly under the strain of conducting elections, there was COVID we had to deal with. I know you all did too, and that was a challenge. Um, but then as it got more heated towards the year, I've never experienced anything quite like it. And I got, I didn't catch the brunt of it. I'm in a very Republican county. Um, most folks didn't think I was the problem. They thought the Metro cats were the problem around Metro Atlanta and were convinced that it's been gone wrong there that stole the election, which I personally don't believe actually happened. Um, I've watched the hearings. I've looked at, you know, the, the evidence that, that I can get my hands on. I was one of the counties that was named in the election contest for the state of Georgia 
So they sent me a lot of information with that. I can't find anything that would change the results of the election. Um, and I think that those counties did a very good job under very trying circumstances. But I did receive phone calls from other states, other entities, other people's citizens blasting me for just being an election official in Georgia. Um, this is the first year I've ever hung up on people calling me where I couldn't get a word in edgewise. Um, they called and blast me that you know Trump lost the White House and it was my fault as an election official in Georgia. And I finally realized that if I'm not part of the conversation, why should I be on the phone just hung up? I mean, and that is not in my nature to do. So um, I've never had safety concerns like this year. I had a, a rifle at my polling places in the parking lot. I had a poll manager that was almost run off the road after the January election, somebody following them, had to get a police escort back to the office. Um, I never received any bomb threats. I never received any um, mass shooting threats. But I mean, I can show you all this. Everybody in my office right now has a checklist for bomb threats by their thing, just in case it happens. It, running elections shouldn't be a lot, shouldn't involve life and death decisions. It just shouldn't. And um, I think we're going to lose a lot of election officials after this last year. That's amazing to hear your your experience. And I'm just curious on the point about the people that were calling, giving you guys a hard time. Did you get the sense they were folks from your county or were they from other places, other states? Oh, mostly out of town. And that's the thing I guess is worth mentioning. When we had problems with people coming to observe us, they weren't the local observers in, in most cases. The people that are from Bartow County that, that are used to us and know me and know my staff trusted us and were actually defending us. It was the folks from outside the jurisdiction who just made assumptions that called in um, that were really the problem or the folks who came in to observe the audience who came who seemed to be looking for a problem to solve. They came wanting to fight the good fight for their candidate, for their party, and got here and realized there was nothing to fight. And in some cases, I think tried to find something. And you know, nothing wrong with that. I was trying to explain to my staff. Audits can be a very touchy thing and a very heated thing. Um, if they have a question, they can't go back later and get the answer. They have to ask right then, they have to stop things right then and, and they might get a little pushy about it. That's okay. Um, but if we all approach it from we're here to, to have confidence and to um, you know, just all work together, it goes well. And if you, in, in my experience, if you, you know, Welcome the observers, the, the poll watchers. Uh, make them make them feel like that they should be there and they're appreciated, and train them while they're there what to look for and what's okay, what's not okay. It goes a lot better. But when they come in with a chip on their shoulder and um, wanting to fight the good fight, it's difficult. So I'm curious. We're still in the beginning of 2021. There's still a bunch of elections that are happening. What does the landscape look like now after going through 2020? Well, I guess there's two different sides to that question. Um, as far as my office goes, we learned some lessons about, you know, how, how to handle advanced voting during a pandemic, how to handle the ballots to get ready for the audits, um, how to store them a little better. If you all see the report, we ended up combining provisional absentee ballots during the audit by mistake because of how they were stored. We won't, be that many, that many, that we won't make that mistake again. As far as the landscape legislatively goes, it's kind of scary. 
one party is very intent on making changes right now. I guess the Republican Party is. And for example, there's a bill right now that would back up the deadline to issue absentee ballots from the Friday before the election to like the week before the election. So I couldn't issue any ballots through the mail the week before the election, even if it was an emergency, even if there's one spoiler ballot get reissued. There's bills about outside money in elections. There's bills about um, poll watchers. Some of it's good, some of it's not. I worry that a lot of it's a knee-jerk reaction to show their constituents they're making a change. And it's a, a solution in search for problem. Uh, without pointing any piece of legislation or any legislator individually, I'm of the opinion we should be taking um, stock of where we're at, what, what went right, what went wrong, and maybe taking a little bit longer to make these changes than throwing, I think, 70 pieces of legislation out there, seeing what sticks. And so that's my concern right now. I'm just always fascinated to hear from the folks who were in these battleground states last year, what their experience was. And I, I thought your, your remark about, um, you know, you might lose some election officials in Georgia as a result of what's uh, gone on here. And I think that's, if, if that comes to pass, that, that's a scary thing because um, you need folks who have experience, you know, what they're doing to run elections. And there's another side of that coin too, though, and I hesitate to even say this, but I will anyway. I mean, it takes a certain personality type, a certain uh, backbone to do this job. And we have 159 jurisdictions in Georgia, 159 counties. Um, I forget how many cities that might run their own elections outside of the counties. That's a lot of election officials. And perhaps this is an opportunity to, to bring some new blood in to let people, you know, explore a career path they may not have thought of, thought of before, get some new officials out of this. Now, when I say that, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. And, you know, I know some of the folks we're losing are great officials, but I'm very sad to lose. But I do think there's some opportunities there as well. And, you know, for us as a state, we have a new voting system that operates very differently than the old system did, um, which involves new procedures, new policies. This is a good time to bring some new people in. Uh, in 2019, uh, in my jurisdiction, we bought new voting equipment. We were considering ballot marking devices like you all uh, eventually purchased in Georgia. We ended up going with hand-marked paper ballots largely. We had a very dedicated contingent of folks here in my jurisdiction that were just against ballot marking devices because they thought, you know, the, the machine could be hacked and change the, the voter selections on the ballot that eventually prints out. Were there any of those kind of concerns expressed uh, when you purchased your system? And did you hear any of that kind of concern as you went through last year? Well, I guess the first thing to talk about there is it was a statewide decision to purchase um, Dominion ballot marking devices. So while I gave some opinions, I did advocate for ballot marking devices. I never advocated for one brand specifically. There were people during that process that were very much against any kind of electronics in elections, especially, you know, to make the voters, anything the voter would use to make their selections with. So I'm comfortable using ballot marking devices because the voters have a chance to, bear, to look at them before they, they scan them, they look at their ballots before they scan them. My employees are trained to prompt them to look at them. 
and every person I've spoken to has confirmed that yes, I'll come about before I cast it. Um, and that's part of the speech I give them when they call to verify how they voted, you know, because in essence, using a ballot marking device, using a hand paper ballot, the voters counting their own ballot. When they scan it into the scanner, that's when it's tabulated, um, but no results are released at that point. So there are still concerns about that. There's still one group in particular in Georgia that is very much fighting against them. There's a federal lawsuit about this going on right now that I had a subpoena in not, not too long ago. But all in all, I'm comfortable with them. And I understand how they work. Um, I think they've worked well for us. They've guided the voters through the process and make sure that everyone has a uniform experience. All in all, they work well. And the other thing that has been said about them is people don't look at their whole ballot, but the threat profile for each race is not the same. You know, people trying to theoretically get into the presidential race is not the same as people that want to get into the mayor's race for, you know, my tiny city in the north part of the county. So I'm not sure if the voter looks at every single name on the ballot every single time, but they'll get the races they care about and they have a system to verify who they want to vote for, either all Democrat, all Republican, all incumbents, not the incumbents, whatever the system is, they can verify pretty quickly. And so far it's worked well for us. I appreciate that. I guess one thing I've been saying lately or I've heard lately is that people tend to trust their own election officials their own county, um, but they'd be more suspicious of the county next door to them or the one they saw in the news or, or, or the state as a whole. And what I've encouraged folks to do lately is call your friends in other counties and other jurisdictions, ask how they feel about you at their election offices, because chances are they feel the same way that you do. And we have to start establishing trust that way. And I guess the other thing we need to start working on as election officials is public education. There is a vacuum of knowledge out there about how elections are actually conducted, um, the different rules in different states and with national media, it gets very, very confusing for the voters. And again, what would last year looked like if people understood how the process is supposed to work, if they knew what to look for and what to be concerned about, what not to be concerned about, if there was no vacuum for people to fill on social media with just complete misinformation. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a hope. But one day I hope we can get there and, and really have an educated, have educated voters. All right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into another episode of High Turnout, Wide Margins. And a big thanks to Joseph Kirk from Bartow County, Georgia. We hope you all tune in for another episode of High Turnout, Wide Margins. <laughs>